Warning, before this episode is over, someone will have tried to screw a pooch. Today's episode of The Skating Atheist is brought to you by the new brand of anti-masturbatorial lotions from Flaseline. Disguised as a normal genital lubricant, our new disgorging formula is guaranteed to direct even the most persistent teenage penis with our patented burning and itching technology. Flaseline Tool Softener, because idle hands are the devil's playground and boners are his monkey bars. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hello, I'm David Viviano, host of Atheist Hangouts, and I'm here to tell you that we did in fact evolve from dirty, filthy, monkey men. Hey, it's August 14th. It's Thursday. Nicely done, sir. And I think we can all agree that Palestine should probably just get Germany now. (laughs) I have no illusions. I'm Heath Enright, and from Melting Pot, New York, New York. And Velveeta Fondue, Podunk, Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, Dave Moscato will join us to discuss Jesus Fish versus Darwin Sharknado on Atheist TV. <laughs> I love it. A Florida man is rolling over in his coffin as the pastor pushes him out mid-funeral for being gay. <laughs> and nothing says cognitive dissonance like a bestiality escort service. <laughs> but first, the diatribe. stopped and asked yourself if atheists even deserve equality? Yeah, me neither, because it's a stupid fucking question, but apparently there are plenty of atheists for whom this is a real puzzler. I was reminded of that earlier this week when I posted something on our Facebook page. Uh, You'll recall last week we talked about a restaurant in North Carolina that was offering a discount to customers who pray before they eat, right? Well, our good friends at the Freedom from Religion Foundation sent the owner a letter explaining, you know, we we get that you're just trying to be nice, and I'm sure it didn't occur to you when you first started this policy, but that's pretty discriminatory against atheists. And to her credit, the woman who owned the place got the letter and changed the policy. Right There's some confusion now about whether she's going to change it back, but at the time, she put up what seemed like a pretty conciliatory note explaining why she discontinued it, and hooray, once more, thanks to the FFRF, we're that much closer to equality. So I throw this on Facebook, and we got several comments on it. The majority of of them were super positive, you know, people basically saying it's good to be reminded that from time to time, all you have to do is raise your voice, right, and you can make a difference. But sprinkled here and there were these self-loathing atheists who had nothing to contribute but vitriol. There were atheists who were outraged that the atheist movement had, quote, come to this. A couple of them were rooted in the nonsensical libertarian notion that restaurants should have the right to discriminate against whoever they want to. And while I could spend a diatribe talking about how brain-bruisingly stupid that is, I'm not going to. Instead, I'll focus on this other variety, these posts about how petty a fight this was, about how frivolous shit like this was the problem with the atheist movement. I even had one idiot who deleted all her responses post-rebuttal who said that it, quote, isn't like atheists couldn't just bow their head and fold their hands for a minute, end quote. She went on to explain that atheists aren't really discriminated against because there aren't signs on doors that say no atheists allowed. You know, what the fuck is it with our movement that so many of us are worried about pissing off our oppressors? Does this happen in every social movement? You know, if a, if, if a restaurant started giving a discount for overtly heterosexual behavior, would there be voices in the LGBT community saying, come on, guys, it's not like we can't just kiss people of the opposite gender while we're in that diner and get the discount. You know, and as to the, the signs that say no atheists allow, well, yeah, they're there. You just don't see them on storefronts. You have to look in law books. There are eight states in this country that have laws against atheists holding public office today. In 2014, in the state of Arkansas, an avowed atheist isn't technically allowed to testify in court. 
because according to Arkansas state legislators, atheists have no incentive to be honest. You know, of course, these conciliatory Uncle Thomas Aquinas types would point out that those laws aren't enforceable, but who gives a shit? The law that Arizona was trying to pass that would have allowed businesses to put up no gays allowed signs, that wouldn't have been enforceable either, but that didn't stop us from getting justifiably outraged when we heard about it. And whether or not those laws are enforceable, by the way, in those eight particular states, I bet I could name about 43 states where law or no law, an atheist can't hold office. And if you want to talk about how atheists don't face real discrimination in this country, I'd invite you to explain it to the atheist activist in Alabama or the atheist author in Seattle, the death threats against both of whom made the news last week. Or, I'm sorry, does, does it not count as real discrimination until somebody actually gets killed? But despite the bullshit we face, every time somebody tries to work on us, every time somebody tries to get God off our money or out of the Pledge of Allegiance or off some school plaque, you can bet your ass there's going to be a few atheists lining up to tell them what petty assholes they are. These house nigglers will say, this little slice of Christian privilege doesn't matter. They'll say, we should just keep our heads down and be nice and only speak up when they start forcibly circumcising our children. Well, look, we tried that approach. Hell, we've been trying your approach since they stopped burning us alive for existing, and it hasn't worked. We haven't reached an equal status or anything close to it. And now we're trying a new approach, and this approach says that every iniquity counts. Because if we'd had today's atheist movement back in the 50s, I bet God never would have made it onto our money in the first place. If we'd been around in the 1830s, Texas never would have gotten away with a constitution that banned atheists from participating in government. And the only reason that laws like that aren't being passed today is because of the indefatigable efforts of people like Annie Laurie Gaylor, Dan Barker, and the other dedicated attorneys at the FFRF. So if you can't be bothered to lift a finger for your own sake, that's fine. You know, I might shoot you a dirty look now and again, but by and large, I'll leave you alone. All I ask is that you refrain from throwing stones at the people who are trying to do something. Because I, for one, am not okay with being a second-class citizen in my own fucking country. My country, by the way, that was founded on secularism. I'm not okay ceding it to the theocrats one little diner at a time. And if the only way we can win this fight is with you on our backs, we will drag you to equality kicking and screaming because I'm going to get as close to the finish line as I can in my lifetime. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is Jesus' co-pilot, Heath Enright. Heath, <laughs> are you ready to get high with a fictional Jew? <laughs> I just changed the water. Yeah, let's burn some bush. <laughs> in our lead story tonight, everyone directly involved with the New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in Tampa, Florida, is a wretched, loathsome, callous, detestable, worthless, cold-blooded, contemptible, unsympathetic, bigoted, malicious, shameful, shameless, noxious, broiling, abscessful of rectal pus. Tampa resident Kendall Capers discovered that the night before his husband's funeral when the church called him to cancel the service based on the cadaver's previously undiagnosed gayness. Yeah, th these people are awful. No uh, shit. So I will start by saying, um, fuck you in the eye socket, right. and probably the other one, <laughs> to everyone responsible for this. I'd also like to add that I'm astonished by how little the church knows about science. The deceased was a gay congregant for years, so right. he already made them all gay. <laughs> the funeral's a new point. This is stupid. It's just bad science. Is what it is. Now, pastor and character from a Tennessee Williams play, T.W. Jenkins, explained his sat staggering <laughs> lack of humanity with a quote that started with the words, I try not to condemn anyone's lifestyle, and then went on to explain <laughs> right. that he also tries not to stomp puppies to death or date rape old ladies. But hey, sometimes <laughs> shit happens, you know? And sometimes vice versa, as you'll find out in our final story. <laughs> oh, good. But yes, everything that follows the phrase, I'm not racist, however, <laughs> kind right. of 
has to describe how you're racist right there in that blank you made. But see, now I, I just want to start throwing that in, in front of random shit. You know, just, I'm not a racist. However, I'd like cheeseburgers and a curly fry. Um, anyway, <laughs> other bigoted churchgoers were mortified by the respecting a fellow human debacle that the pastor narrowly avoided, saying, quote, we knew they was active members of the church. We just didn't know how active them members was. And <laughs> quote. only. <laughs> And in Doomsday's Shown to Kill Cancer news, Rick Wiles, host of a radio show called End Times, announced on a recent episode that an Ebola outbreak in the United States might be a good thing. Huh. So, not that further explanation is really needed, but uh, here's what he said. Quote, Ebola could solve America's problems with atheism, homosexuality, sexual promiscuity, pornography, and abortion. End quote. It would... Clear traffic Obviously. right up, too, you know. There's not enough people looking on the bright side of Ebola. That's the problem with our, our news media these days, always focused on the negative. <laughs> right, so not exactly sure how his reasoning goes, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that Wiles has yet to publicly deny making these remarks, yet undenied, quote, Where's Ebola from? Africa. Who looks like African people? Blacks. And who hangs out with blacks? Atheists and gays. So, I'm just thinking, roll with me on this. Maybe we bring back those diseased missionaries from Liberia, and you know, this whole Ebola thing kind of just works itself out. And yet undenied quote. Can't believe he hasn't denied that quote. He also has yet to deny the soon-to-be recent allegation that he licks squeeze cheese out of the rectums of domesticated squirrels. Which yeah, hasn't mentioned a thing about un- that. Unrelated, by the way, that, that really shouldn't count as cruelty to animals. They love it. And in pork-fried Christ news tonight, officials in China have announced their intent to treat God's intellectual property the same way they treat everybody else's. They'll be creating a brand-new state-approved version of Christianity, which is reported to be essentially the same as regular Christianity, except the lip-syncing is a little off and there might be some lead in it. (laughs) And in typical communist style, I imagine this should lead to an improvement for the working class, of course. especially considering the Chinese policy on child labor is far more humane than that of Christianity. Oh, God. Way rather put iPods together for 14 hours a day than be an altar boy, I'm just saying. Right, right, plus Risk they have reward, the, uh, the you know. one-child rate policy in China, so that has... <laughs> Of course, this announcement comes as a response to the cockroach-like spread of Christianity that's plagued the nation for the past decade. While religious people in China are required to worship under state supervision, a cottage industry of churches and cottages has sprung up outside of government control, which has led some Chinese citizens to be exposed to the wrong fictitious bullshit worldview created by an authoritarian elite desperately hoarding power by subverting the innate sense of human worth and dignity. Big trouble, right? So instead of secretly spying on Christians... Now they're going to herd them all into state-sponsored churches where they can openly spot right. everyone. It's pretty <laughs> smart, actually. I mean, Yeah, go ahead and like Jesus all you want in that bugged cage over there. Yeah, just don't <laughs> get carried away. Just right. fucking relax. We're letting you do it. Now, Chinese officials seem confident that they can reason with the Christians because they're new to dealing with religious people. Still, I don't know how you're going to manage to <laughs> twist Christ's message to serve the purposes of communism. I mean, I guess you'd have right. to... You know, what, translated into Chinese or something, I guess. <laughs> and in Trojan spyware news, conservative Christian activist and convicted hate speaker Bill Whatcott of British Columbia attempted to pull off an undercover espionage and sabotage mission against the LGBT community of Vancouver by infiltrating their gay pride parade as a Pastafarian imposter where he handed out homophobic literature and faulty condoms. Hoping, I guess, to saddle the gays with 
STDs and unwanted pregnancies make it really this difficult. This story is so fucked race. up. Or it seems fucked up on the surface. I guess in his defense, maybe he's just thinking, you know, these guys have probably never been to a military funeral. They might not know how God <laughs> feels about the butt sex. <laughs> Get the you know, so he out, yeah. steps into a phone booth, puts on his disguise. He's like a super bigot. <laughs> exactly. So let's review. Whatcott, who is definitely not a closet homosexual, no, according no. to his account, decided to don his gay apparel costume on command <laughs> and go to a parade where he pretended to enjoy singing, dancing, right? and hugging gay people all day. <laughs> what he said. And plenty of other serious, balls-deep undercover work. That he hates. That he hates. That he right, does for the cause. Right, but you never would have known it looking at him. I was thinking the same thing the whole time I was reading. The dude actually said, quote, it was positive from beginning to end, end quote. And then <laughs> probably went on to say, assumed, quote, and then there was another beginning in his end, and then another one in his end, and then another, <laughs> and so on, and so on. End to end wood. Railroad ties. Yes. <laughs> Vancouver. Lumberjack country. This is ridiculous, though. <laughs> Be like a homosexual spy using a fake ID and a fake resume to get a job as a moil and then sending Jewish babies to hell by gay blowing them. I mean, like granted, you and I might find that hilarious. I may have even suggested something similar in a different segment. Anyway, just about everyone else would find that to be morally reprehensible, Certainly. obviously. Or even talking about And it's about nowhere it. near as bad as what cuts real atrocities. Right. Pierced condoms cause actual worldly harm, whereas Gay spite baby head doesn't. <laughs> so, well, I guess, unless, of course, the gay moyle gets herpes because of a faulty condom in Vancouver. But it's, oh. other than that, it's not It's like an very infinite likely. loop of scathing atheist Causing stories. Harm. I'd like to point Real. out, by the way, that your use of gay spite baby head just knocked me out of the last combination of words that will ever be used in conjunction by a human betting pool. So, congrats <laughs> on that. And then you better have had a darn good reason to rape those AIDS-stricken orphans news tonight. Oklahoma teen missionary Matthew Durham's experience with ass rape should come in handy as he faces life in prison for several counts of raping orphans in Kenya. While Durham has confessed to the crime, he claims that a demon made him do it, so I guess it was all a big misunderstanding. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's going to be easy to find out if he's lying. These were legitimate rape demons. The Kenyan orphans won't stay pregnant, so it'll be obvious. Now, Durham's attorney claims that the confession was coerced by Kenyan officials, adding, quote, Ixnay on the Eamon Day, end quote. (laughs) Of course, if you consider the level of detail he goes into with his written statement, even if he's innocent, they should probably lock him up for having been able to think of that shit for the purposes of falsely confessing. I mean, I'll save you the details if for no reason to to keep Heath from encouraging you to Google Alabama Hot Pocket, but it was bad. (laughs) It was pretty fucking bad. Alabama Hot Pocket. Well done. It's very similar to a Cleveland steamer, but performed further south, I believe. <laughs> and extremely cold in the center, if All you're right. able to. It's a very advanced maneuver, I'm told. Yeah, the stuffing always pops out, makes a mess. It's, just, <laughs> it's no good. <laughs> and in reasonable grounds for impeachment news, according to American Family Association spokesman Brian Fisher, the recent U.S. military intervention in Iraq, allegedly in response to ethnic cleansing in the region by ISIS, is actually a veiled attempt by Satanist President Obama to save the Yazidi tribe, a tiny group of fellow devil worshippers who are also conveniently indigenous to the most disputed sandpit in history. So So what you're saying that's what's been going on. Is that if you worship Satan, motherfuckers are gonna bomb your enemies. I mean it seems like the devil's doing way better than God. (laughs) Assuming Obama is Satan, which if if we're going by Brian Fisher logic, that seems like a pretty (laughs) safe assumption. Right, which we are. 
Now, ISIS seems to be pursuing as one of their top priorities the extermination of Christians, Jews, and extremist Muslims. And now also Yazidis, I guess, who practice a hybrid of these religions with Zoroastrianism and ancient Mesopotamian beliefs. And the big problem is that they have a peacock angel that's somehow a spitting image of the Psychomachia red pitchfork shoulder guy. And this so-called resemblance has led Christians and Muslims to regard the Yazidis as demonic infidels. So, uh, Modus Tolens, Obama, authorized the airstrikes to help out the Prince of Darkness, obviously. Well, the good news here is once they've taken out the Yazidis and the Zoroastrians, they'll have, like, basically finished the alphabet. So, their <laughs> alphabetical genocide will be complete. I was thinking, though, maybe we Weird could pit Brian Fisher's conspiracy theories against one another, right? We tell him Obama's only worshiping the devil to distract people from his secret Muslimness. You know, see if he gets caught in a <laughs> feedback loop and explodes or something. And finally tonight, and it isn't dog rape if you pay for it news, we have a story so ripe with explicit potential that we had to bring a couple of veteran vulgarians in to help us out. So joining us for this final news item tonight are Tom and Cecil from the most excellent Cognitive Dissonance podcast. Tom, Cecil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys coming by, because once in a while, a story comes along that just reminds us why we do this and just has too many dick jokes for any two people to bring all of them out. This is one of those such times. So, Tom, if you don't mind, could you fill our listeners in on why the Windermere Baptist Conference Center is probably looking for a new president and CEO? Yes, this story comes from uh, ABP News, Harold R.H. or something. Baptist leader in Missouri arrested... For seeking sex with animal, the president and CEO of a Baptist conference center could face penalties, I would hope so, if convicted of solicitation, which I particularly like, as if (laughs) the dog were standing on a street corner. (laughs) (laughs) So the Windermere Baptist Conference Center in Missouri, they had a CEO. Um, As you said, they must be looking for a new one because Gerald Jerry Hill... Uh, got busted for trying to hook up with a pooch. On Craigslist, no less. So, well, where else? <laughs> well, I mean... Because <laughs> that's where you go. When I, you know, I, I don't know if I should be uh, annoyed that you would think, you know, that, that Craigslist would be not the first place to look when looking to solicit an animal for sex, or if I should be offended that when you read this story about a, a, a preacher soliciting an animal for sex, you first thought to have us on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Some stories like, just like you're reading scream. through this and you're like, cognitive dissonance. You know what would be perfect for this? <laughs> now, I, you know, say, I know two dog fuckers. Like, hey, let's get them on the show. <laughs> well, now, honestly, too, and, and it's got this, and every story I've seen about this, it's got the guy's picture right up front. Yeah. And if it is possible to look like a dog fucker, this guy is so <laughs> pulling it off. Like, I'm willing to bet if you showed this guy's picture to 20 random people on the street and said, what did this guy get arrested for? You know, at least three or four of them to say soliciting dog sex on Craigslist, I'm guessing. In the Ozarks, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> well, where else? <laughs> I actually think it kind of looks like Mike Ditka. <laughs> <laughs> and it may be. Who yeah, knows? But it's not, it's not Ditka sausage, it's Ditka snossage. Oh, nice. Well <laughs> yeah. done, sir. Now, I loved one of the details of the report that I saw uh, that really cracked me up. It said that he was looking for one of two types of animals to solicit (laughs) sex from. But they left the other one a mystery. For some reason, the task force won't tell us. I guess uh, it's out of 
you know, to protect the dignity of the other genus, but they won't tell us what the other animal was. I'm, I'm so curious what the other animal is now. I mean, what animal is so embarrassing right? that the police thought it would be unfairly destructive to the reputation of, of a dog fucker? The other animal. I mean, if the guy Hill was a priest, I'd have to assume puppy or, or kitten or right. baby oh, seal. Oh, oh, wow. Oh. Wow, you know it, it. It you have to imagine that moment where he gets arrested and he puts his hands down, you know, and the cops like, um, "Do you have anything to say?" And he's like, "You can tell him about the dog. All right, you can put that in the paper. You can let him know about the dog. But the swan's between us. All right." And they wouldn't play. You know, how come none of the rolled over on the dog? That's that's rare. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Uh, I, I, I just wonder why they weren't printing the fucking ad, because I want to see, you know, for a friend, how does one go about soliciting <laughs> dog sex in a class? Like, do you just come out and say it, wanted dog to fuck, or do you have to be subtle, you know, needed, medium-sized dog to rent by the hour, please send yeah. ass pics, I, you know? <laughs> I, I'd want to, you might want to prorate by the minute, depending on who you're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy's not going an hour. Clearly. Well, you know, the, the dogs that are most sought after are those Basenjis because they got the curly tail. It's an easy access situation. Yeah. There's nothing to push <laughs> out of the way. I wonder if I wonder if turning out your dog is a little less difficult than house training your dog. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, now that's the really embarrassing thing about this for Windermere uh, Baptist Conference Centers. I love the fact that I get to use their name an extra time, is that, you know, not only, you know, because, like, everybody's solicited a little bit of dog sex on Craigslist here and there. That's not the really embarrassing part. The embarrassing part What's is... the bad part? Well, it just shows poor financial acumen, because how much does it cost to rent a horror dog versus how much does it cost to take a couple of strays on a on a date, you know, out behind Tony's house where you get some spaghetti for him? It, it's going to take three, at most, three dogs. And you're going to be in, like, Flint. So it's just – it's financially wasteful as well. <laughs> like Flint. You know, there had to be a moment, too, where the, the officer who was involved, like, got the case. Right. He's like, oh, Jim, <laughs> we got a hot case for you. Oh, yeah, what's going on? It's a, yeah, it's, this dude wants to fuck a dog. Like, wait, this is my job? Like, this is my fucking job? You go home to your wife and she's like, all right, hey, what do you want for dinner? How was your day at work? Wow. <laughs> Tomorrow I got to bust a dog fucker, so ask me tomorrow? I don't know. How does one Not go sure. about, you know, being an undercover dog pimp, you know? I just I have to picture that, like, he's, he's dreamed of doing the undercover thing his whole life, you know, and this is, like, his big opportunity. The captain calls him in, you know, is it, is it a drug dealer? No, no, it's not a drug dealer. <laughs> Do I have to infiltrate a, the inner circle of a gangler? No, 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 it's a, it's a, it's, it's a puppy dicker. So, <laughs> Yeah, we Wolf called Ace shit. Ventura, but he was busy. <laughs> he was climbing out of Rhino's ass in some continent or yeah. another. We're not really yeah. sure. You know, I will say, in, in their defense, though, you know, the, the Windermere Baptist Conference Center, uh, here, I'll say it again for you. Sure. Um, they did say that they were very concerned for the well-being of Jerry. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's nice. is, were they taking turns? Like, why are we worried about Jerry? <laughs> Well, we don't know what that other animal was, so, you know, it could have been right. rabid lion. So, And I just have to picture, because this was like an undercover sting bust. You know, they met, they, 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 like they met in a park. So you figure he's got the wire, and it's like on TV, you know, you've got to actually get him to say, you know, like, oh, this is for the senator, so he'll change his vote. So he's got to actually probably get this guy to say that he's going to fuck the dog. So here's that, here's that canine dog you wanted so as to put your human penis inside. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a cockapoo enthusiast. Right, right, right. You sure do enjoy illegal bestial sex. Yeah, yeah. I, I experiment in the chocolate laboratory sometimes. And by that, specifically, you mean anal intercourse with this dog right here. Shit, he's on to us. He's on to us. Abort. Abort. Abracadabra. Red team, go. Get out of here. Chris Awkward. Hansen walks yeah. out of the bushes. Sir, will you have a seat, please? <laughs> you know, the other thing, too, is like, according to the article, conviction for sex with an animal is classified as a Class A misdemeanor for a first offense and a Class D felony for subsequent convictions. And I thought, well, <laughs> they have a strike what about program? if you're just soliciting? Like, I don't know that soliciting is covered in the Missouri statute, so do they have to actually let them go through with it? <laughs> And if so, were they hoping to get a felony arrest? So they have to give him, you know, they have to wait out his refractory period and make him go twice? No, right, he's got in, him he's in, go, go. Well, I would imagine they've put a lot of thought to the, towards their dog sex laws in Missouri. I've been there before, so I would imagine there's probably lawyers that specialize in it. They've got, like, the billboard signs, like the DUI, you're not SOL. It's like... They got like a picture of like a sad puppy, like, paws up. Like, I didn't do it. Someone's playing a sad Sarah McLaughlin song somewhere. It's just a picture of like Shaggy and Scooby, like looking pointedly away from each other. Slightly down. And we would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those metal. I gotta say, you know, like you're saying, there is a there is a bright side to the story. Jared Hill has exposed an online need that isn't being met, so uh, we can use the 30 seconds on the clock awesome. to help him out. Ideas for the bestiality dating service? Go! Oh, excellent! I'll start. Um, screw Manji. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> screw Manji. Nice. Rough and tumble uh, playdates for discerning adults. <laughs> <laughs> that could be Screw Manji's uh, like their their slogan. How about how about uh, uh, Big Black's nine inch cockroach? <laughs> well done. How about the Keister Bunny Ranch? Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Religious angle. Here. Oh, okay. hey, I, I've got one that's got a slogan and everything. How about Barnyard by Marriott? <laughs> Where to go for a good night's sheep? <laughs> well, you can go online to OK Canine. Every night you can be best in show. <laughs> What about uh? What about that that classified area of ChristianMingle.com? Noah's Spark, I think, is the area. <laughs> what about Jake Far Wharton's Koala and Chlamydia Experience? <laughs> you can always head over to Fetch and Felch for furry fun times. <laughs> Everybody, Google Felch. Everybody, Google Felch. You can already. Do it on safe search, though. Whatever you do, <laughs> nothing comes up. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, if you're looking for for a special gift for that uh, furry someone, you can always head over to Rover's Lane and pick up something oh. nice. <laughs> some ladies and some tramps of the night. How about uh, how about tusks till dawn at the Razorback Bordello? Huh? There's a lot of shit <laughs> nice, going on there. Nice. Around the track, whippets and chains. <laughs> What about, a, what about a happy ending at the Fauna Sauna? <laughs> the Fauna Sauna, I love that. Nice. Well, or done, Bad sir. Touch Birds featuring swallows and tits. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love that all the Cecils are fucking like cockroaches and birds. I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, no, it gets weirder, too. So just let's keep going. Exotics. All right, I've got, I got one more. How about the K69 Home Peanut Butter Delivery Service? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I prefer syrup. I prefer well, you know. syrup. Oh, that's good. Man's what? Best Friend Limited uh, promises housebroken escorts. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, how about a little slogan for the front? Uh, Make a fist, because bitches be bumping paws at the dog pound. (laughs) (laughs) What about KY Jellyfish? Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) It'll only sting when you pee. (laughs) All right, we're getting into some uh, seafood. What about... uh, Well, if we're getting if we're getting into seafood, I don't think we should we should be we would be remiss if we didn't mention Heath Enright's gaping starfish. I think <laughs> we would have to mention that. Obviously, the uh, the house of Gil repute. In- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, oh, that one I've actually been to. Um, all right, what about uh, what about hit the honey hole at the gapiary? Oh. Check out beeharmony.com. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bees are we now? Or, uh, or the gay sister site Queen Bee Harmony. Right, <laughs> of course. Right, I got, I got one more. Uh, how about uh, get some rooster tail at the Cockadiddle Dude Ranch? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> formerly, the, formerly the Morning Woodpecker. No. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Well, if nobody's got any more, I think we're going to close the headlines there. Heath, of course. Uh, I, wait, wait. I, I actually oh, have he's more. got more. He's got more. more. <laughs> Of course he does. All right, real, real quick, rounding out the list, we have Stuffing the Pita Pockets, the Baby Seal Club, oh, the Doggy Stylist, Bride and Grooming Service, nice, the Pure Bread Light District of Amsterdam, and of course, get your Lion-O at the Thundercat House. Oh, <laughs> nice. Thundercat House is a winner. That's awesome. All right, well, of course, Tom, Cecil, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it's our pleasure, man. Anytime. Thanks for letting us ruin part of your program. And when we come back, Dave Moscato will be here to remind us that there's an invention called television, and on this invention, they show shows. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate rape. It is a slut, right? Hey, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. Tonight, we'll detail the decline of Western chastity with a series of headlines that perfectly illustrate all the steps that take a good, virginal Christian girl and turn her into an unsalvageable succubus, possessed of satanic notions like equal rights, biological autonomy, and working outside the home. We'll start in Oakland, California, where parents were outraged to discover that the sex ed textbooks being used to teach sex to their children contained information about (gasps) S-E-X. Some parents were appalled to discover that a book aimed at 14-year-olds would talk about adult sexual topics like masturbation. Because who ever heard of a 14-year-old beating off? Come on. And as we all know, the key to remaining a chaste Christian young lady is ignorance. Teaching sexually active children about sex would be like adding safety switches to every single handgun. What a pain in the ass. Next, we'll move to Arizona, where every week in misogyny favorite Stephen Anderson has explained to the flock that attends his mall church in Tempe that the road to hell is paved with intrauterine devices and vaginal rings. In a sermon he gave in May that just recently came to my attention, he explained that birth control, quote, promotes whoredom, end quote, and also that it gives women green toxic alien blood. No shit, look it up. <laughs> 
So from wholesome red-blooded American girl to whoresome green-blooded communist slut, the transformation is now complete. And for an example of that, we'll turn to Warsaw, Ohio, where a group of helpful churchgoers has protested outside the same topless bar every weekend for nine years to politely remind the employees that they're sluts, whores, and tramps. And finally, they got sick of it. They got sick of the 1950s insults, I guess. So last weekend, they decided to protest the church. During a service, topless. Bouncing boobies everywhere. The topless protesters vow to return to the church every Sunday until they find somebody else to harass on Fridays and Saturdays. And their article doesn't say that they did, but until I find out for sure that they didn't, I'm going to imagine that they stuffed all their bills in the preacher's collar as well. That's all I've got for you tonight, but if the viral spread of whoredom doesn't destroy our national infrastructure in the next seven days or so, I'll be back with more next week. Joining us tonight is the thunder from down under himself, Adam Reeks from the Herd Mentality Podcast. Adam, good to hear from you again so soon. Greetings, Noah. Thanks for having me back. You bet. And joining us for the first time is Twitter's very own at one godless woman or in the human world, Iman. Iman, welcome to The Scathing Atheist. Hi, Noah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on with on, uh, such short notice here. But I'm really excited to get you guys back on because I got some really good news from Adam uh, about two days after last week's episode aired. Adam, would you care to share with the listeners the news that you shared with me the other day? The short story was that I was getting very anxious, very nervous that we weren't going to approach our $6,000 goal before Iman got off the operating table. And one individual by the name of Peter came to the party and dropped $2,000 and got us to the goal. Wow extraordinarily generous person and a lot of extraordinarily generous people that got us to $4,000 leading up to this. Now, Adam, this is the third time you've you've tried to do a fundraiser for this. Is, is that correct? The, the third time, the second successful time, the second right. time around, it, it didn't go so well, but um, what it did do was give me a little bit of ammunition to get this one started. So we, we kicked off this $6,000 goal with $600 in the bank to begin with. So Right, right. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what, the... Um, the really important thing here is that at the moment, when it comes to raising money uh, for Amon, you're batting 666, and I think we can all get behind that. Now, uh, <laughs> Amon, now, <Wow. laughs> raising this money to get you and your family on holiday, that wasn't the only good news that you got uh, on that day, is it? No, no. It uh, it was actually a very a fairly stressful day. I've been, uh, been planned to have this surgery for over, I don't know, three months now, um, and it's been delayed and, and canceled, and uh, but uh, yeah, like I woke up that morning and you guys had bought the actual tickets to enter uh, Legoland, which was a very good start to the day for me, but then by the time I was on the, in, in the hospital and, uh, and all was said and done, I was told that there were no more cancer cells, which I find is just, it, you feel like a new person. I mean, you would have to know what it is like to be, even if you're not very symptomatic with cancer, which I wasn't too symptomatic, You, your immune system is too busy battling it. I do believe this. And I was constantly ill, like for months. Um, so to have that said to me, you literally feel like you have been revived, like a new human. 
I cannot imagine the kind of fear and everything that that lifts from you. And we were obviously we were really stoked about the uh, about hitting the the goal on the fundraiser, but far more happy <laughs> to hear that. So I'm sure an incredibly stressful, well, very long period of time for you. And uh, well, uh, none of us could possibly uh, share in the pain that you went through. It's it's nice that we can uh, share in your happiness a little bit now. So thank you very much for coming on. And Adam, thanks for everything that you've done. No, thanks for having us. Thank you. And now for the 23rd installment in our 66-part series of biblical poetry, I present Isaiah in rhyme. What say you, Isaiah, you prophetic player? You got any news that's a use to the Jews? I mean, not that these prophecies don't help a lot, but we'd rather your blather did more than confuse. After 44 chapters I perused to your banter, it'd be nice if I at least comprehended your views. Don't mean to refute your wild guess at the future, quite a man of repute for a stammering loon, but you said you'd behead the oppressor's Jewish dread, and they're not shredded or dead, and you keep saying soon. I, they're waiting. <laughs> You stated they're soon to be sated, but a late switch to bait, and now you're changing your tune. I hate to burst your balloon, you buffoon, but you're not hard to impugn. Here, for example, is a limited sample of the biblical drivel with which your book is festooned. I don't mean to be rude, but dude, you said Judah would never be conquered, and you also allude to a curse we'll traverse when God wipes out the earth, but you say he'll burst the entire universe first. And what's worse in your verse, you claim God will disperse all the water in Egypt, and they'll all die of thirst. And then you babble on about Babylon, nothing a wise man would gamble on. As I recall, after all, you said their nation would fall and never again would human feet travel on the roads they once strode through, leaving it an abode to mythical creatures like dragons and satyrs. I told you, Isaiah's a cock and his whole book's a crock, unless there's a couple of wyverns at large in a rock. And you know a fight's coming with the Moabites thumbing their noses at Jew God and worshipping Baal, but still all your skill at divining God's will will painfully, blatantly, epically fail. And there's a point there, for instance, where you try to convince us that all the Moabites from beggars to princes will be dead within three years of the day that you print this, and soon after Damascus will cease its existence. And what about the atrocities of that Jewish theocracy you sure as has got to be coming to slay us, to bring ultimate peace once your foes are deceased with your war yarmulkes and your well-sharpened payas. Well, your asinine theory that Egypt and Assyria will join you, well, clearly that one wasn't your greatest. And your warren will be torn in a world filled with thorns, rife with scorn and forlorn, till a savior is born, named after a chick from a French softcore porn. I mean, Emmanuel, what the hell? Clearly that isn't how Jesus is spelled. But oh well, I'll dispel with the pleasantries, fella. Your book's full of shit and someone had to tell you. If I turned my television to Channel 1 and started clicking upward, by the time I reached 14, I'd have passed five religious stations. But I could scroll all the way to Channel 864-4, and I'd never come across a secular channel. Not a single humanist channel, not a single atheist channel. Of course, as you know from a lot more than our lead story two weeks ago, American Atheists is seeking to change that with a historic launch of Atheist TV. And the reason that you've heard so much about it is because my guest tonight is obviously doing his job. Dave Moscato is the Public Relations Director for American Atheist. He's also an atheist writer, activist, speaker, and debater. And as I understand it, he tears it up on the base. Dave, welcome to The Scathing Atheist. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, so I hate to put you on the spot here, but I want you to make a guess. First time I ever turn on Atheist TV's online stream, what do you think is the first thing I saw? Just based on the context, I'm going to say the Atheist Viewpoint TV show. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> I saw Dave Moscato. So pshat all those people that say Atheist TV isn't going to draw the celebrities. I mean, that guy's huge. He's been on Scathing Atheist. So. 
Oh, and incidentally, by the way, I apologize I didn't get back with you quicker. Apparently, all the emails you guys sent asking me to anchor Atheist TV's 11 o'clock skit comedy slash risque atheism <laughs> new satire program never made it to my inbox. So I'm going to check with Gmail, find out what happened there. But in the meantime, I do want to knock out a few like talking points type questions. First, obviously, sure. where can our listeners go to watch the new network? So it's broadcasting in two different places. Uh, if you have a Roku box, a, a Roku device, you can go to the channel store and uh, subscribe to the channel on there. It is a free channel, uh, so you just have to add it to your channels, and then you should be able to watch it from there. If you do not have a Roku device, you can go to www.atheists.tv and watch it free online anytime. Excellent. And of course, that'll be linked on the show notes for this episode. And as if we don't already know, tell us, why do we need an atheist television channel? Well, there are really a lot of different reasons. There are hundreds and hundreds of channels out there, as you were talking about, for religious programming. And there are a lot of different videos uh, on YouTube and other places where people can watch uh, content made by atheists, but there really isn't one place on television where people can watch uh, atheist content. So what we're doing with this channel is we're bringing all of this stuff to one place. Right now, it's mostly content that already exists. It's it's not original programming, but that's going to change. Um, and we're basically bringing this to a much wider audience than we've had available before. Roku reaches 7 to 8 million people, and we're also working on uh, making this available on many other platforms uh, that are going to be coming soon. But really what we're trying to do with this is show people that Atheists are, are, first of all, not evil people. We're, we're not, uh, some of us are anti-religious, but, uh, generally speaking, the type of stuff that, that you see on the channel is, is funny, uh, is current. There's a lot of talks. There's stand-up comedy. There's, uh, scientific programming, uh, documentary type stuff from the Richard Dawkins Foundation. Uh, all sorts of different things, really. Um, but part of our audience is, uh, is, is non-atheist to see what atheists are about. But then part of our audience is also, our, int- our intended audience is also current atheists who just aren't part of the atheist community, uh, but could be. And we want to show them that this community exists and that you can be part of it uh, if you want to. Awesome. Yeah, I could really see this taking over as sort of as 90% of the television watching I do is I'm eating and I don't want to hear myself eat, so I flip the TV on and I always end up on ESPN or something because I don't want to find a network. And I could really easily see Atheist TV taking that, uh, taking over that role for me. So like you said, right now it's basically – it's almost like somebody went through YouTube and found all the best atheist videos and, and gives them to you in order. But what kind of stuff can we expect to see from Atheist TV going forward? So we're working on coming up with original programming. We've brought on board uh, Liz Bronstein. Liz worked uh, with uh, Discovery, with Animal Planet, on shows like Joe Millionaire and um, – uh, Whale Wars, uh, the reality show Whale Wars, and uh, she's an amazing uh, veteran Hollywood producer, really knows what she's doing, and she's working on coming up with some stuff with us. Uh, we're working with, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, some stand-up comedians, uh, namely Keith Lowell Jensen for right now, and we're working on getting some more. I mentioned also Richard Dawkins and the Richard Dawkins Foundation. Uh, the Atheist Experience, hosted by Matt Delahunty and a bunch of others, is available on there. Working with a bunch of YouTubers, uh, David Viviano, uh, Jacqueline Glenn, Mr. Deity, uh, many, many more. It's it's not just a, a curated feed of stuff that's that's already available, and, and it's not just stuff that's that's coming as far as original programming too. Um, but we want this to be the, the main difference between this and, and between what you can find already is that our channel guarantees that nothing you'll watch blurs the line between fantasy and reality. What makes 
us different from the Discovery Channel, from the Science Channel, from the History Channel. You will never see anything about ancient aliens unless it's clearly <laughs> presented as fiction. You'll never see anything about psychics or about ghosts or, I mean, anything like that. Um, that's really the problem that we have with what's available right now is that people are willing to blur that line. Hollywood is willing to blur that line because it, it's interesting. It, it, it's People want to want to question those things and it's fun for them uh, but they don't see it as entertainment and that's the problem and that's what we're trying to address with this it's fine to be entertained as long as you understand that you're being entertained and that we make it clear that these are not not factual things so we do have some nonfiction stuff on there uh, we do have some fiction stuff on there as I mentioned uh, Mr. Dee we're working on adding some more stuff like that but uh, everything that's fictional will be presented as fictional and everything that's nonfiction you can trust as nonfiction all right, so that brings up a question then, because when the History Channel first debuted, they actually had history on it. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was mostly Hitler, but it was legitimate history that a historian could more or less nod along to. And now it's like you say, ancient aliens and biblical literalism and crap. So, how is Atheist TV going to avoid the same kind of network creep that took all the music off of MTV? Well, the thing that makes us different is that we we have, as I was saying, an ethical commitment to make sure that we keep everything that's on the channel that we're calling nonfiction, nonfiction. As atheist activists, this is the cause that we're fighting for, is to not delude people, to not trick people into believing things that isn't true for the sake of making money. This is this is what makes us different from churches. Um, churches don't have a problem with people believing things that don't fit with science, that don't fit with logic, that don't fit with reason, if it gets them a job, if it gets them popularity or whatever. Our whole starting point, our whole foundation is atheism activism, which means promoting science, promoting reason, promoting what's real and what's true and what we can show is true. And we will never deviate from that because that's our core. Excellent. Well, hopefully you're very successful with it and maybe you can make an influence on some of these other channels uh, as well. Now, I'll freely admit that I've been a bit of a cheerleader for this effort, uh, but I would like to, um, you know, it hasn't been without its criticism. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get your take on a few specific critiques that I've seen offered so far. Sure. Uh, we'll start with Mary Elizabeth Williams writing for Salon, who lamented that the new channel lacked atheist buddy cop dramas and reality shows. Because I think if we all can agree that if there's one thing TV needs more of, it's buddy cop dramas. So, But a lot of people have faulted the network for its lack of original programming, said maybe that you guys came to the air too quickly. Do you think that's a valid complaint? I, I think that is uh, some good criticism that there's not enough original programming, and that's why we brought Liz on. That is something that we want to address. It's really just a matter of funding. Um, once we have a budget to make original shows, that's what we intend to do. We could have waited to come to air until we had a lineup of original shows, but that's generally not how this type of thing works. There are many, many channels that don't air uh, original programming or don't air completely original programming. We do have one show that we produce in-house uh, called The Atheist Viewpoint that we have a, our studio here in New Jersey where we shoot that. Um, it's a talk show and that is completely original from scratch and and that's the one on there. A lot of the other content, although not exclusive to the channel, is new programming like, for example, uh, Atheist Hangouts that I mentioned before with David Viviano. Uh, it's basically just a, an Ask Me Anything show. He has Famous atheists come on, people tweet their questions live, and then he uh, he asks them to the star, and the star answers them, and that's the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had uh, Chris Cluey, he's had uh, Lawrence Krauss, he's had all sorts of different people. Um, but yeah, that show, uh, new episodes are going to be airing on Atheist TV, so that's where you'll see them, um, also on his YouTube channel. 
but we thought it was important to get this going and uh, get this out there so that people can see what the idea is and they can decide to contribute if they want. And then based on what kinds of budgets we can put together, we can see about more original programming. Awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when ESPN was all tractor poles and they seem to be doing all right now. So I, I like mm-hmm. your model. Now, this might yeah. be for the future, but I'm going to spitball one here for you. Seth Andrews is good cop. I'm bad cop. Dan Finca is the foul-mouthed captain that hides a heart of gold beneath his gruff exterior, and we team up to take on faith healers and woo merchants. We could call it Occam's Razor's Edge. Uh, I'll mention, yeah, I'll mention it to Liz, and we'll see what we can come up with. Um, I I would love to watch something like that. Uh, It just depends, like I said, on on budget and so on. All that, right. So if, if my, as if my listeners didn't already have all kind of great reasons to, uh, to contribute to your efforts. Okay. Moving on. Another complaint from Sarah Jones writing on Chris Stedman's Faithiest blog. And she accused the channel of acknowledging and even endorsing the existence of Richard Dawkins. Now, it seemed that, that her complaint really was sort of in opposition to what you were saying earlier about part of your audience being that seeker agnostic. She was faulting it for being too mean. You know, you showed Muhammad and you showed a picture of or a video of Madeline Murray O'Hare burning a sacred text. So, so how do you respond to the atheist TV's too mean critique? So the channel, just to be clear, is owned by American Atheists. It's a wholly owned subsidiary, but it is not branded as American Atheists. It's its own mm-hmm. uh, entity. So it's it's not designed to be um, anti-religion and have that tone the way that American atheists uh, very openly and very vocally does. What we show on the channel is something that we decide ourselves, and we admit that, and we, you know, we, we're happy to talk about that. But it really also depends on what's being made available to us and what people provide uh, that's broadcast quality and that we think our viewers will want to see. We have been in touch with the American Humans Association uh, and other much, uh, quote-unquote, you know, softer groups about providing other content. Um, it's just that uh, as far as when we were ready for our launch, the stuff that we had available was our own content, the talks from our national conventions, the talks from the Reason Rally, our own in-house TV show, The Atheist Viewpoint, stuff from The Atheist Experience with Matt Dillahunty, who's a little more hardline, and Richard Dawkins, because that's who had stuff ready to go that they could send to us. Mm-hmm. As we add more stuff, the we are very happy to spread it wider. I mentioned we have comedy, we have other things that are much lighter. It really just depends. Uh, and we are looking right now, actually, uh, I'm going to go ahead and spill this on your show. We haven't talked about this anywhere else yet. We're looking into having some children's programming, which is going to be much less hardline. And we haven't talked about what that's going to be, but it's definitely something that we want to have on the channel. I, the idea long term is to make this extremely well-rounded that covers both the hardline and the uh, conciliatory approach to atheism. We want this to be something for secular humanists, for uh, atheists, for every, everybody who doesn't believe in God to enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, when it comes to children, children's programming, as I understand it, talking vegetables seem to work wonders. Uh, <laughs> but that actually brings me right into my final uh, complaint. If you would, I'd like you to answer the very harsh indictment leveled by esteemed public intellectual and expert scientarian Ken Ham who warns that Atheist TV will, quote, and I shit you not, this is a quote, poison and destroy the minds of children who have already survived the abortion holocaust, end quote. So uh, did you guys ever think about that? Because that sounds pretty bad. I'm no expert, but that sounds pretty bad, Dave. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ken Ham, is, he's, a, he's a ham. I don't know what else to say. Um, he has a religious platform, and he uses it to, to bilk people. But that, that criticism, I mean, we're, we're not indoctrinating anybody. We're telling people... 
uh, that if you if you think logically and you use reason that you're going to get better answers to your questions. And as far as children's programming, we don't really have much yet. Um, some of the comedy, you know, might might not be as good for them as uh, as some of the science type programming. But we think that there's a lot of stuff that that kids will benefit from and growing as a person. We're not here to force anybody to believe anything. That's the exact opposite of what we want to do. We want people to understand that you can ask questions, that you can think uh, that just because you see something on TV doesn't mean that it's true um, or just because your, your parents tell you something doesn't mean that it's true. That's really what our approach is. And if, if he's calling that indoctrination or, or poisoning children, then he has a, a very uh, incorrect idea of what those words mean. Boy, doesn't he. I'll tell you what, you couldn't imagine, you couldn't ask for a better poster child for why Atheist TV needs children's programming than a guy like Ken Ham. You know? Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, let me end this by encouraging our listeners to check out Atheist TV. If you don't have Roku, you can check it out online. As Dave said, you'll find a link to that stream on the transcript and show notes for this episode at scathingatheist.com. Dave, thanks again so much for your time. Oh, thanks. Anytime. Glad to have you. It's time for the part of the show that comes next, listener feedback. This is the part of the show that I probably should have come up with a little intro bump for or something. By now. <laughs> Our first email comes from, well, half a dozen people, but virtually all of them from Kentucky. Yeah. It's a correction to the correction of our half-corrected non-correction last week about where Jack Daniels is manufactured and whether Dr. Pepper is a real doctor. Right. Anyway, I read an email last week where a listener misidentified Jack Daniels as, quote, pretty good bourbon, end quote. And while Noah did correct the pretty good part, the allegation says neither of us corrected the bourbon part. Yes, and because of that, we learned that we have at least six listeners in Kentucky, and they all wrote to us to say that bourbon comes from Kentucky, not Tennessee. Which is not correct. Right. Actually, uh, let's do a quick Venn diagram review here. Bourbon is a subset of whiskey. There are several requirements to qualify a whiskey as bourbon, including corn content, aging barrel type, a bunch of other things. Here's where it gets tricky, though. Jack Daniels is labeled as a, quote, Tennessee whiskey, which is defined as a straight bourbon whiskey from the state of Tennessee. So Tennessee whiskey is actually a subset of bourbon. And although Jack Daniels, by definition, has all the required properties of a bourbon, they choose not to use the word bourbon in their advertising. Right. I mean, it's definitely not pretty good. We, we, We definitely knew that one. And, yeah, to, but to avoid the correction to this correction of the correction of our half-corrected non-correction, I would like to point out that, no, bourbon does not necessarily come from Kentucky. That's just something that people in Kentucky think. No, it does not. All that being said, as a beverage distribution engineer myself and also a pedantic nerd myself, my failure to make all the correct distinctions last week was admittedly an error of pedantic, nerdy omission. So Right. And, and, and I mean, I totally get it. Like. You live in Kentucky, you've got the Creationism Museum, you're the perpetually forthcoming Ark Park, plenty to be ashamed of, to be sure. I, I get why you want to come to the defense of the only good thing about your state. But the main reason I wanted to bring this up is that, you know, it's not that we don't appreciate corrections. By all means, keep them coming. We're pedants too. We appreciate that. But I just think it's funny that we're now making the fourth correction on a story where we still haven't technically gotten anything wrong, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Never said D.O.'s weren't doctors. No. Never uh-uh. said Jack Daniels was made in Lynchburg, Virginia. Technically Never not. said that Jack Daniels was a bourbon. No. In fact, all Noah said about that was that Jack Daniels was, quote, a long ways from good bourbon, end quote, which is absolutely true. It's, in fact, becomes truer in light of everything we just talked about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's bad 
whiskey, not good now, beer. Now, we, <laughs> we also got a message this week via Twitter from Tweet Child of Mine, who informs us that he or she will no longer be listening to our show and has dropped their per-episode Patreon donation because the show had become, quote, too Marxist, end quote. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a very nuanced view based on her very. detailed analysis. I'm assuming she just finished some extensive research on Marx and Engels. Regardless... You don't like Robin Hood, you're an asshole. Sorry, that's just the, the long and the short of it. You don't like Robin Hood, you're an asshole. And if you think John Galt's 200-page anti-Robin Hood speech qualifies as political philosophy, you're an asshole, and you'd be laughed out of just about every political science seminar in the world. Yeah, so, right. Let's stop. I mean, look, I, I wouldn't consider myself personally a Marxist, but I also don't think that's a bad word. You know, I'll freely admit that Marx has been a huge philosophical influence. I mean, in fact, there's a quote of his... Um, that's got me through some pretty dark times and seems appropriate oh. now. All right, what's that? Quote, I once shot an elephant in my pajamas. <laughs> How he got in my pajamas, I will never know. <laughs> it's got a little bit of groucho, but it also sounds like a Dick Cheney alibi, right. I gotta say. <laughs> Actually, it does now that you mention it. And honestly, you know, I look, I listen to this show almost every week, and I have no idea what we've done that would be considered Marxist. You know, my honest thought, though, considering the timing, is that this was a response to the fundraiser for Amman that we were promoting. And if that's the case, and I, I don't want to besmirch Mr. Child O'Mine's reputation if, this, if that wasn't the impetus for this, but if it was, and the idea of helping a human being in need is that off-putting to you, I'm happy to not have your money, honestly. And I, and I don't say that lightly because I'm a big fan of money. You bourgeoisie scum. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible Marxist. All right, so our final message comes in the form of a Facebook message from Carly, who pointed out that we neglected to give any credit to the chick who played Nancy from Facebook in our skit from episode 76. Right, right. So, yeah, that was Lucinda. I figured everybody would just know that. After right. we got done recording and I listened back to it, I figured her voice sounded too sweet and dainty to you know be pushing God around like that. So I just lowered it uh, post-production and made her sound a little bit more badass. Yeah, once in a while we have to fuck with the audio and we don't have enough people to play all the parts in a skit or something like that. Right, I, I try not to do it too often because it gets annoying really quick. Right, but sometimes Noah and I can't get together to record in time or do it. Somebody backs out at the last minute, we have to do a compromise on something. A lot of e- exactly, things. exactly. But, but, but thanks for the message anyway, Carly. And that is all the feedback you got. If you want more, keep sending us tweets, Facebook messages, and emails, and pedantic corrections, of course. Absolutely. Make them correct, though, ideally. You'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingideas.com. Before we enter our 168-hour hibernation tonight, I wanted to let you know that immediately after we recorded the headline bit with Tom and Cecil this week, Heath and I recorded a bit for them on their show where we reviewed Darren Aronofsky's Noah. So there's that. Check the show notes for this episode. Should have a link for it there. And that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. But of course, I want to thank Iman, Adam, Tom, Cecil, and Dave Moscato for joining us tonight. I also want to thank William Lane Craig for not joining us tonight because he's a disingenuous asshole and he would have brought the whole mood of the show down. And if you want to know more about our guests tonight, you'll find a link to Adam's Herd Mentality podcast. Tom and Cecil's Cognitive Dissonance podcast and a link to Atheist TV's online stream on the show notes for this episode. So there's entertainment for you forever. Also need to throw a thanks and a shout out to my good friend David Viviano, aka Gamma Atheist on Twitter for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. His YouTube show, which is now available as a podcast, Atheist Hangouts, will be linked on the show notes as well. Definitely encourage you to check that out and not just the episode I was on even though that's probably the best one. But of course, most of all, I need to thank this week's most valuable investments in oxygen. Evan Abel, Stephen, Ryan, 
Matt, Mike, Steve, Matthias, Rebecca, Mick, Dennis, Carmen, and Thomas. Evan, Abel, and Steven, whose erections make Groot feel inadequate. Ryan, Matt, and Mike, the sight of whose cocks would trigger Captain Ahab's PTSD. Steve, Matthias, Rebecca, and Mick, who are so bright their intelligence is measured in terawatts. And Dennis, Carmen, and Thomas, who the Surgeon General warns, could kick your ass. Together, these 13 thoroughly thankable thinkers have thwarted the theologist this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the money to give us money, but we like it when they do, which, as I understand it, makes us pretty shitty Marxists. Anyway, if you'd like to join their noble ranks, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com skatingatheist, which you'll find linked at the very top of the page at skatingatheist.com. And while you're there, you could also make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage. And if you'd like to help, but you're too deep in hiding to transfer money electronically, you can also help us a ton by giving us a glowing review on iTunes, which a lot of awesome people have recently done, so thanks to them. And also tell somebody about the show, but you know warn them first and everything. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingatheist.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly, and yes, I did have my permission. All right, so what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to edit all that stuff out and blackmail Adam with it in the future. But uh, (laughs) I... I